You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. So good to be in church this morning, isn't it? Love the 11 a.m. service. Let me tell you, yes, you are better looking than the 9 a.m. Yeah, I reckon you are. Don't tell him I said that. Uh, Big hello from Steve. Uh, He wishes he could be here today, but funny story, sort of, he's ended up in isolation. Uh, He went away with the national leadership team, the Elam national leadership team, for a week of meetings um, in a house just outside of Auckland, and one of them got COVID. And even though he's had it, he's outside that that magical 90-day window, and so it actually means that the entire house is now household contacts, and they have to all isolate together for seven days. So uh, they are surviving and at the moment everyone else is testing negative. Um, But uh, pray for me. He's left me. He's ditched me with the kids uh, and he's off having a nice holiday by the sounds of it. Uh, No, but he wishes he could be there. He was watching online this morning and um, just sends his love to everybody. And actually, before I get into my message, um, there's two staff members that I need to honour today and uh, two staff members that we are saying goodbye to. Just saying goodbye to on staff. We're not saying goodbye full stop, just saying goodbye on staff. And so if Chippo and Abigail, Pastor Abigail would come forward, come on up. Uh, These guys, yeah. We gave Abigail her flowers in the first service because I wasn't sure if you'd be here in the second. Uh, but Chippo, those are for you. But like these ladies are um, heading off on new adventures, have both been on our staff, Abigail for 15 years, Chippo for nearly four years, uh, but been part of our church family for many years. And we know we'll still see them around, but I really want to honour you both and thank you so much for the incredible um, uh, love and the commitment and the service that you have given our church and we are better because you have been on our team and because you have been able to just bless those that you have blessed over the last number of years and uh, should we pray for these guys before um, they head off both of them this is their last Sunday on team so we want to pray for them God we thank you so much for each of these incredible women we thank you for the heart that they have for your house and your heart to build your house and we thank you Lord Jesus, for the blessing that they have been, for the ways that they have given and served and poured their lives into this church over the last number of years. God, we bless them as they go. We bless them as they begin new adventures. And Lord, we pray your abundance over them, your favour over them. We thank you, Lord, that the best is yet to come, God, and that we will hear incredible stories of how they have impacted others for your glory in this next season of their lives. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give them a hand. Awesome. Thank you, ladies. Wonderful. We're going to miss both of them. Well, we are continuing the series and we're on part two, but we're kind of going backwards. So we're part two, number nine um, in the series. Steve started it off last week uh, with number 10, do not covet. And if you missed last week's service, really encourage you to go back and watch uh, that, that um, message. Um, it's on our YouTube channel. You can go back on there and watch it. Really incredible uh, message and, and just so much in there about that commandment. And today I'm doing number nine. Uh, which we know more familiar as do not lie. But as it's written, 
In the Ten Commandments, it says this, you shall not give false witness against your neighbour. Now that commandment means two things. Firstly, it means don't tell lies about someone else in court. Now, remembering that the only way that a dispute back in the old days was settled in court between two people was with an eyewitness testimony. And so it was really important that that eyewitness testimony was based on truth. In fact, we know that that was really important because the punishment for somebody who gave a false testimony against somebody was the same as the punishment for the crime committed in the first place. It's important. So, but this, this law is not just saying, this commandment is not just saying don't lie in court. It's saying don't lie, full stop. Now we know that this is true because of the context that it was given to the Israelites. The Israelite people were brought out of Egypt. They had been slaves for hundreds of years. It was generation after generation of slavery. They knew nothing else. They knew no other way of life. They knew no other way of existing. Moses leads them out of that and they end up at the bottom of a mountain named Sinai where God downloads a bunch of laws and statutes, including the 10 commandments. The purpose of God doing this was in order to teach them how to no longer be slaves, but to live as a community, as a civilization. God was teaching them how to become a people under Him, how to become a new nation whose heart was for God. And so we know that anything that is commanded or forbidden, prohibited in the 10 commandments, we know that it must have been essential for creating a civilization that worked under God, that was a civilization under God's heart. We also know that God intends for us to obey this law outside of the courtroom because we see it multiple times throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. It comes up a lot in the Proverbs. It comes up a lot in Psalms. It comes up in Colossians and Ephesians and in the book of John. Psalm 12 verse 22 says, the Lord detests lying lips but He delights in people who are trustworthy. Psalm 34 verse 13 says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Do not lie. Sounds pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Like that's an easy one to remember. Do not lie, but we do, don't we? I mean, come on, let's be honest. We do, don't we? Now I'm about to tell you a couple of stories about me today. And I'm just asking you, don't let it change your opinion of me, all right? I'm only human, okay? I'm only human. And look, this is a church where we just don't judge, okay? All right, so if we're all on agreement, I'll keep going with my story. I was in prom, thank you. I heard the amen and the yep from over there. I'll take that, Jamie, as a, you spoke for the crowd. Uh, when I was in primary school, I'm not sure if I was eight, nine, 10 years old, we had a class trip to the museum. And I was in the same group as my best friend who had been in my class since we were five years old. We were very good friends. And 
um, while we were at the museum, we stopped for lunch and we all sat down, you know, on the big steps outside the museum. I remember it being a beautiful sunny day and I remember sitting next to my best friend and I clearly remember her putting her bag down next to me. It was a lovely white fabric tote bag and I remember it because it was new. We had both admired it as she brought it to school that day, to the museum that day. Now we were sitting there eating our lunch and the lunchtime was nearly over but she needed to go off to the bathroom so she quickly hops off to the bathroom and while she is gone, a seagull swoops down and poops on my bare leg. Gross. Like, ooh, yuck, that's disgusting. And at nine or 10 years old, it's also highly embarrassing. Like at that age, if everybody knew that I'd been pooped on by a bird, I'd become the bird poop girl and that would be my name for forevermore. I couldn't let anybody know that I had been pooped on by a disgusting bird. But as I looked around, I couldn't see anything that I could use to wipe off the bird poop off my leg, except the nice white fabric tote bag. So I looked around, don't judge me, I looked around to see if anyone was looking. I grabbed the bag and I wiped that bird poo off. Then my friend came back from the bathroom and I said, you will never guess what happened. A big giant bird swooped down and pooped on your bag. I know, I know, but come on, we've all done it. We've all done it. I didn't see the email. Oh, I'll start tomorrow. Yeah, it tastes great. I didn't know it was you. Those pants look great on you, honey. (laughs) The bird pooped on your bag. We all do it, right? We all tell lies, little white lies. You know, the ones, they're not gonna hurt anybody. They're just little white, they're harmless, right? The little white lies. We've all done it where we've put on a facade, a filter. You know, those are pretty regular these days, old filters pretending to be someone we're not. We've all kind of, at times, tried to deflect, tried to blame shift. You know, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble here in this situation by saying just the right thing at just the right time. We've all been caught up in a circle of gossip, you know, oh, we need to pray for so-and-so. Oh, there's terrible things going on. She really needs our prayer. Did you hear about what happened? You know, we've all been caught in a circle of gossip or slander. There's always, you know, the half truths, the version of the truth that gets us just so far to avoid consequences. You know, deceit, leaving out the details so that, you know, we can, in order to mislead, is an exaggeration, you know, a little embellishment for a bit of wow factor in the story. That's not gonna hurt anybody. But yes, we lie. We all lie at some point in our lives. And as I have been studying some of these commandments, I've learned a few things about lying. The first thing I learned that I wanted to share with you today is that we lie because we believed a lie. We lie because we believed a lie. All right, I'm gonna tell you another story. Are you ready? Okay, brace yourself, all right? So in my later years in life, not that long ago, I dropped the boys at school. And I needed to go to an appointment in Mount Ross School. Now I have my mother's sense of direction, so I needed Google Maps to help me. 
So I dropped the boys, they got out the car, I got back into the car, pulled out into a long line of traffic that was sitting at a red light. I got out my phone, I searched through my emails, I copy and pasted the address into my um, Google Maps app to discover where I was going, but not before sending a text message to my husband to let him know where to pick up the children that afternoon. I put my phone down and look in my side mirror to see conveniently parked, uh, not parked, in the lane next to me, just behind me, with just the right view into the driver's seat of my car, a police car. I thought, oh no, that's not good. Anyway, I acted very responsibly. I put both hands on my steering wheel and kept my eyes ahead for the remainder of the red light. There was another green light and another red light before I got to go through that light. I drove very responsibly. I did not touch my phone. I did not even look at my phone for driving through the next stoplight. There was another stoplight. I thought, oh, this is good. Okay, all right, maybe it's okay. Drive through that stoplight and sure enough, I look into my rear view mirror and I see lights flashing. So I pull over safely because I'm a responsible driver. And the policewoman comes to my window and she says, do you know why I pulled you over today? I said, no. <laughs> she says, you were texting at a stoplight. I said, oh, I picked up my phone. I said, I was putting in my navigation into my Google map. I just needed to know where I was going. She said, you must have been doing a whole lot more than that. <laughs> and do you know what I said? Absolutely nothing. I froze. No words would come out of my mouth. I was like, I can neither confirm nor deny that that's what I was doing. I mean, that's not really lying, is it? I mean, I was, you know, I kind of, like I said that I was, I mean, I was doing my navigation, but, you know, she didn't need to know that I was also texting Steve as well. Well, I, I got gifted with a fine and demerit points. Are there any police officers? Uh-oh, there's one right in the front, second row. Oh, and one over there I can see as well. Oh, dear. Oh dear, I've done my time, all right? <laughs> I paid my fine. But as I pulled out onto the road again, I kept asking myself, why? 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 Ugh. You know those moments where you go, Ugh. why did I lie? Why did I lie to a police officer? I mean, of all people to lie to. Why did I not just tell the truth? Why was I not just honest? What was I achieving? Was I trying to avoid a fine? Well, that didn't work. Was I trying to not look bad in front of an upright citizen? You know, like, why did I lie? Was I trying to get out of trouble? Was I trying to not look bad in front of them to save face? Listen, we all lie as self-preservation. We lie for self-protection. We lie because we wanna be seen as honourable or, or we, wanna be, we wanna belong, we wanna be respected, we wanna be liked by someone else. We wanna, we wanna be seen as good and lovable. We lie to make ourselves look better than we feel or than we think other people will see in us. We lie because we think we have to take care of ourselves. Because we think that we have to, you know, be the one to make sure we're okay. So we lie on our CV to get the job or we cheat to get ahead. We lie because we believe that the more fictitious version of ourselves is going to be the version to get more respect, more success and be more acceptable. You see, at the root of our lies is an even bigger lie. And we have built our lies on an ultimate foundation of another lie that we have been believing. 
Go with me to Genesis chapter three. In verse one, we meet someone, a serpent. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You certainly will not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. John describes the devil, aka the serpent, as the father of lies. In John 8, 44, he said, it says, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. See, what we see happening here in Genesis is the father of lies, sowing a seed of lies that gave birth to a generation of lies. It all started with a lie and that moment was followed by like it was a catalyst for the lies that followed, a long line of lies. Abraham was a liar. He lied twice telling people that Sarah was his sister when she was really his wife. Jacob was a liar. He lied to his father to steal his brother's birthright. Jacob's sons were all liars. They lied to their father about Joseph's supposed death by animal. David was a liar. His lies caused a whole army of men to be killed in a battle they should never have been in, not to mention the time that his lie caused one man to be killed out on the battlefront, the man who was the husband of the lady that he was having an affair with. It was like a domino effect of lie after lie. See, the serpent's aim in that moment was to convince Eve that God was holding out on her. He wanted nothing more than to believe the lie that she couldn't trust what God had said. And it's the same lie that He has got you and I believing today. Here's the lie that we are rooted in, the lie that God is not trustworthy. Ultimately, it is a belief that God mustn't love me, that therefore He won't provide for me, therefore I cannot trust Him, therefore I need to lie for self-protection and self-preservation. We lie because we believed a lie, only there's a problem with it. Because the second thing I learned about lying is this, lying doesn't work. Lying doesn't work. I learned that when I drove out of the car park fit with a fine and demerit points. (laughs) Lying doesn't work. In fact, it only gets us into deeper mess. It does not achieve what we hope it will achieve. The goal we had in mind when we set out with a lie is not what happens in the end. It only compounds. And the reason it compounds is because the problem with lying is that it becomes a living, growing organism that grows into something we can no longer control. See, we tell one lie and that one lie has got a consequence and maybe we, we knew that consequence and maybe it was something we'd planned for and maybe we even got away with it. 
But the problem is, is that that one lie also has three or four other consequences, ones we didn't see happening, ones we didn't see coming, ones we hadn't planned for, and ones we probably won't get away with. You see, because then what happens is we have to lie, we tack on one lie to cover that lie, and then we have to tack on multiple lies to cover that lie and fix those consequences and those circumstances, and it begins to grow in complexity. And all of a sudden, what was one lie becomes a ball of lies that we can neither untangle nor control. One lie becomes an avalanche of lies and all of a sudden the damage is outside of anything you predicted or can control. Mark Twain wrote, one advantage to telling the truth is that you don't have to remember what you said. Like that's really good. That's a really good benefit of telling the truth. Proverbs 10, 9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Lying does not work. We think lying is gonna solve the problem. We think it's gonna bring that solution. We think it's going to fix the issue, meet the need. We think it's gonna give us a feeling of belonging. We think it's gonna help us to make friends or, or to get ahead or to climb the ladder. We think it's going to fix the problems we think we have. But lying does not bring order to chaos. In fact, it only creates it. We could even go so far as to say that if we don't tell the truth, the world falls apart. That seems like a really big statement to make, but when we really think about it, you cannot build something on deceit, untruths and facades and expect it not to fall apart. Because building a life on lies is like building a house on sinking sand. It is unstable and unpredictable. Lying doesn't work. But there's good news for you and I, because number three, here's what I've learned. I've learned that truth brings order to chaos. Truth brings order to chaos. Truth has the capacity to take chaos and give it order, transform it even into order, even chaos that's been brought about by lies. Let me explain. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Truth has the capacity to bring order to chaos and Jesus is that truth. He doesn't just speak truth. He doesn't just know the truth. Friends, He is truth. There's another way in Scripture that Jesus is described. Do you know how that is? The Word. He is described as the Word. And in John 1, 1, we read that the beginning, uh, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And in verse 14, it says, And so the Word became human and came and made His home among us. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the Word. And interestingly, the Word is what God used to create something out of nothing in Genesis. When God created everything, He started it, he, he did it by starting with a formless void and then He shaped it into something with the Word. The Word, the Word came into a nothing and it brought order. And in the same way, the Word in your life brings order. The truth of God in your life brings order. The Word comes into our broken, empty, uh, void-filled, void, uh, uh, chaotic life. And when the Word comes in, we see beauty, we see healing, we see life, we see wholeness, and we see order begin to come about because truth brings 
order to chaos. The opposite is true as well when we depart from God's Word. When we depart from God's Word, when we reject the truth of His Word in our life, it descends into chaos. And I am sure that there are many of you who consider this room today and say, Bex, I can testify to a time in my life when I was not living true to the Word of God and it was chaos. There was brokenness in my world. There was emptiness in my world. But the truth of God comes and He brings a sense of wholeness, order and peace to our lives, which is why the Word must be our standard and measure for truth. The Word must be our standard for truth. Not the world. It's the Word, not the world. The world isn't our standard and measure of truth. What's put out there in the media isn't our standard of measure and truth. Don't let social media tell you what's true. Don't let your opinions tell you what's true or others' opinions tell you what's true. Don't let your ambitions tell you what's true. Don't let self-preservation tell you what's true or self-protection. Don't let the culture of this world tell you what's true. It's the Word. The Word is our measure of truth. We must remain in the Word. Remain in Christ, remain in His truth. Through Him all things are created and in Him they have their being. When you are tempted to lie or gossip or slander or say a half truth or exaggerate for effect, think, is this going to bring order to my world or is it only gonna create more chaos? You know, as a team come and join me now, I wanna give you just something really practical that you can use to filter your speech through that you can use and ask yourself these questions and, and you'll probably be familiar with them because uh, they, you see them often in places and they've been used before, but here they are, just really quickly, three things. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? Ask yourself, is what I am about to say actually true? It's a good question. And too often we don't ask ourselves that question. Is it true to events? Is it true about the person? Or is it more like a half-truth? Is it more like an exaggeration of what really happened? Is it kind? Is what I'm about to say a kind thing to say? Or is it actually gonna damage somebody? Is it gonna damage their reputation? Is it gonna cause people to think differently, like worse about them because I'm saying it? Is it hurtful? Is it negative toward a person? Proverbs 16 verse 28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. J. John, um, whose book inspired the series that we're doing right now, he says that gossip is hearing something you like about someone you don't. Well, that was a really good description. Ephesians 4, 29 says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. And if that doesn't convince you enough, my mum says, if you can't think of anything nice to say, don't say anything. Is it necessary? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Does it really need to be said? Or is it better left unsaid? And for some of you, it means you're gonna have to leave the room to keep that little mouth of yours shut. (laughs) For some of us, the temptation is too great. And if we think to ourselves, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, it's coming, it's coming. Oh no, I've got to leave the room. (laughs) It's better left unsaid. Is it really necessary? When I, is it needed? Is it gonna be fruitful? Is it gonna add value to this conversation? 
or is it only gonna end in chaos? When I'm being dragged into gossip, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? If the answer is no, out you go. When I'm tempted to try and wriggle out of admitting a wrong, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? When I'm tempted to try and make my life look better than it feels, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Colossians 3, 8 to 10 says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Listen to this. It says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. When we come to Christ, we take off our old self. We take off and we put down, we lay aside and we walk away from the old practices that go along with that old life. And that includes our speech. Lying is an old practice. It goes with an old life. And it's something that when we come to Christ as a new creation, we can walk away from that kind of life. Listen to how the verse goes on. It says, and have put on a new self. When we put on a new self, we've got some new practices. And the truth is part of those new practices that Christ allows us to walk in. And put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of His, its Creator. Come on, let's pray together today. God, Lord, I thank You for these commandments. I thank You that even though they are old and written in an old book and maybe from an old time, God, they are so relevant for our lives today. And I thank You that Your Word has the power to reveal fresh and new things and help us to see how relevant they are in our lives and how practical they can be in our lives. And God, right now we sit here as humans and we say, Lord, as things maybe have come to mind in this message about places and times where we have maybe not told the whole truth, God, I thank You that You are a God of redemption and forgiveness and restoration. And Lord, we surrender ourselves afresh to You again. And we say, Lord, we thank You for Your forgiveness. And God, we choose today to take off our old self and put on our new self with its new practices, Lord, allowing You to transform and change us. Lord, help each of us to build our life on Your Word of truth. Help us to allow that to be our measure of truth, our standard for truth, that and nothing less. God, we thank You that You are a God who transform us, transforms us from old to new. In Jesus' Name. I'd love to just speak to one more group of people with every head still bowed and every eye closed. You know, perhaps you are visiting today. I'm not sure if a friend brought you along. I don't know what brought you to church today. Maybe you've been coming along for a while, but you'd say you've never made a decision for God or perhaps you know I'm far from God today. Well, I wanna speak to you and share with you that God loves you. He loves you and He created you and He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And part of that plan is actually to live out your days in relationship with Him, but also to spend eternity with Him. Man, He wants nothing more than that. But the problem is that we've all messed up. We make mistakes. The Bible says we all fall short of God's standard and it calls it sin. And that sin that separates us from God, from a holy God, 
and it makes it very difficult for us to have a relationship with Him and spend eternity with Him too. But God didn't want that to be the case. And so He sent His Son, Jesus, 2,000 years ago to die, to come and live a sinless life and then die a sinner's death to pay the debt that you and I were due for our sin so that we could come into relationship with Him and spend eternity with Him too. And today I'm gonna pray a prayer and I'm inviting every single person in this room to pray this prayer with me. You can just pray it in your heart. I'll pray it out loud, but really mean it. Make it your own prayer today. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, thank You that You went to the cross for me. Thank You that You paid the debt that I was due. I choose Your forgiveness today and I choose to follow You. I turn from my old way of life and I turn to You now. I ask You to come in and make me brand new today. Thank You for the plans and the purposes that You have for my life. In Jesus' Name. With every head still bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna take one more moment to do one more thing. I'd love to be able to acknowledge who prayed that prayer today. Don't worry, we're not gonna call you to the front. I won't make you stand up. We don't wanna embarrass you. But what I would love to do is just to be able to see where you are and who you are so that I can just acknowledge that you prayed that prayer. All I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count to three and on three, just shoot your hand up nice and high. I'll see it, I'll acknowledge it. Then you can put it straight back down. I promise it won't be up for long, all right? Are you ready? Be bold, be brave. One, two, Three, you can lift your hand now. Awesome, thank you. Yes, 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 thank you. Awesome, awesome. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? You're saying, Bex, I prayed that prayer on my right. I see you. Anybody else? You're saying, Bex, I prayed that prayer. Maybe it wasn't the first time, but you know you feel far from God now. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. God, I thank You for every person who prayed that prayer today. Lord, I thank You that Your heart is so for them. Lord, that you can, uh, that you, I thank You that You're a God who transforms lives. I thank You for the plans and the purposes that You have for them. And we're so excited to see them play out in their lives. We're celebrating right now. As all of heaven celebrates, we celebrate too. In Jesus' Name. Come on, church. Would you celebrate? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.